2: I'm Scott Wapner and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner. Front and center this hour, the state of your money as rates rise, GameStop soars again, and the broader market remains volatile. Our investment committee debating all of it for you today. Joining me for the hour, Steve Weiss, John Najarian, Tiffany McGee is CEO, CIO of Pivotal Advisors. Rob Sechen is the co-founder and managing partner of New Edge Capital Group. I'll take you to the wall, as we always do, to start things off, to see where we stand. You heard the gang talking about it. Dow's down 320. NASDAQ's down by more than 2%. Yields, not down today, as high as 148, 149. They've dropped back just a touch. That remains the big story. Rob Sechen, is that the story? Rates going up stocks going down
3: I think for now it is especially technology stocks But we have to remember we're in the midst of the early innings of a profit recovery that's been accompanied by unprecedented monetary and fiscal stimulus and and for those reasons we remain pretty bullish Um, I think the way we've structured things is we're viewing this as a digestion period for technology Um, We don't think you have to run from tech but by the same and you shouldn't run from tech because. You're ultimately going to be underweight the market and it's a very dangerous position to be in. But we're planting seeds of optionality. Within some of the cyclical sectors of the market. Um, You know I also like the fact that uh, a lot of the bears are raising concerns right now because if everybody was on. The one side of the boat I think it gets to be dangerous some of the changes we've made recently Scott just in the last week is we remained overweight equities we've doubted back just a little bit. Um, We've added to our cyclical exposure in financials and energy and we've even picked up some Bitcoin a very small uh, very small position in Bitcoin in tactical portfolios on the sell off on Monday so I think there's a lot to do. Um, I think the move in rates has been an important one. I think what scared investors is not necessarily the magnitude because we're still in a position where rates are broadly low, but it was the pace and cadence of that move in rates that scared mm-hmm. investors. It's clear. And I, I use this dip as an opportunity to, you know, make some moves. Okay.
2: So on that note, Tiffany, and, and some have been doing that as technology has pulled back, you've seen some step in and start to buy those dips. Now, if that's going to become a regular pattern, that's going to be a story in and of itself. But these growth stocks over the last week and we've highlighted these every day because they're the names that a lot of investors have piled into traders investors alike Apple's down near 5% in a week as is Microsoft Facebook's down 3 Amazon's down 6 I can give you some of the other higher flyer names if you want you know the Z scalers are down 8 DocuSign's down 10 CrowdStrike's down 11 you've got Zoom down 9 Nvidia's you know talking about earnings there down 7 you get the drift, though. These stocks are having a problem as rates continue to go up.
4: Yeah, so I, I think I think a few things, Scott. You know, first of all, um, you know, I, I think, you know, Rob is absolutely right. And I think he, he mentioned it's really not um, the fact that rates are going up. It's the speed uh, at, at which rates are increasing. And so, you know, the, the concern there is that the Fed might, you know, step in and feel the need to do something. Um, but I really don't see this as um, that... As, as a stopping of stocks, yes, clearly there's a dip right now. Uh, we, we, we like to buy the dips. All those names that you mentioned, you know, I've, I've spoken uh, at length of, of those on the show. I love those names. And again, we're long-term investors. So we are not really, even though we're watching the markets every single day, I'm not too concerned with what a stock does in a day or even in a week it really is for the long term and our thesis around all those names are long is, is a long-term thesis um, but again it kind of just gets back to the importance of having a diversified uh, portfolio if you were in any of those names you clearly made some money uh, probably most likely I hope made some money and it was time to rebalance and so that's what we've been doing we always rebalance you have a set asset allocation and whenever things get up to whenever a stock an individual name especially uh, runs up to a certain point you rebalance right and so you're and right now you should be thinking about um, incorporating value if you if you've been on this growth one well, for a long time you should be thinking about bonds as well
2: Weiss can you love these kinds of stocks? as much as before with a 10-year near or at 1.5%. At one point today, you did eclipse the the dividend yield of the S&P 500. Clearly, you have made moves in your portfolio to reflect an unease with where these tech stocks could trade, at least in the short term. Puts in the queues. You shorted the SMH the other day. You took us through that. Not suggesting those are long-term moves, but it does Suggests that you're anticipating some more volatility, if not some more selling within technology.
5: Exactly right. So, look, whether I agree that these stocks are overvalued and that's why the market's falling or not, I actually think they're cheap, the ones I own. I still don't think the Zooms are cheap. I still don't think the Teledocs and all those are cheap. They're not. They were part of a market where everything went up when it traded a momentum of price and momentum of fundamentals without regard to valuation. Now you've introduced a metric, and that is valuation because of where rates are. So momentum cuts both ways, so it's cutting back now. There's still some very cheap areas of tech. I own them, but it doesn't matter what I think because the market's trading off the old playbook, which is that rates go up. Stocks go down and it's indiscriminate today in terms of what stocks are going down because the sickle stocks aren't rising as they did on Monday when the market was getting hit, when tech was getting hit. So look, so I think it is time to recalibrate the portfolio. And what I've done is I've gotten rid of what I call are the peripheral names. I haven't touched Qualcomm. I haven't touched Corvo. I haven't touched Skyworks, but I'm not ignorant of what can happen, which is why I've got the shorts and why I've got the puts and selling the calls.
2: I feel like we need to have a conversation here about, I mean, I feel like we have a difference of opinion, and I feel as though a lot of investors are in these stocks. Are you suggesting, Steve, that the, the Teladocs, the Zooms, you know, whatever stocks you're specifically talking about that in your mind are overvalued, it's time to sell those? Because Tiffany, to me, is telling a far different story that if you're in it for hey, the sorry. long haul, that Call you stay in those names. And you continue to ride them because those are the stocks of the future. I hope I didn't misrepresent your position, Tiff. I don't think I did. Weiss, n- nor you. But um, well, hey, what about uh, that, no. Weiss? For some
1: reason, I just no, dropped, I d- whether it was you yeah, so, or me.
5: So I, I do believe it is time to sell them still, even though they've corrected. The valuations are ludicrous. And Zoom, yeah, they were the first one in the scene. But I got to tell you, when I get these calls and while I'm using the Zoom call, I'm getting it from Blue Jeans. I'm getting it from Microsoft Teams. It's a commodity product. And sure, they've got great technology, but its technology can be replicated. So we see it time and time again. To me, those were, as I said, relics of the recent past. And the volatility there is going to be immense. I'm not worried about volatility, but I want to see the stocks recover. And they're not going to, period. Okay. You can't justify those valuations even if you go out five years.
2: Okay, Tiff, that that is is right to you. You cannot justify these valuations even if you go out five years.
4: Yeah. I mean, I I, I think, first of all, Steve, you know, I respectfully disagree with some of the things that you're saying. Um, I, I... and I think we need to make a distinction between rebalancing and selling out completely. So Steve just said that he's selling them. I don't, I don't know if that means completely or not. So what I'm saying is that I'm rebalancing. I don't ever leave money on the table f- at, and and at risk. So that's, that's one very important point. Um, do I believe in, 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 in zoom still? Yes, I do. Um, maybe there, you know, zoom, zoom is leading the charge. Yes. There's Microsoft teams and blue jeans. Um, the easiest zoom. I know that there's some, some, um, clearly some uh, security issues that they have to really kind of get over, but I bought it because I liked it not just for a month or for two months or during a pandemic because i think that it has staying power and you know we can talk about valuations valuations are totally out of whack across the board and happened for 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 quite some time again i keep saying we need to take off we need to throw out this old rule book and really look at the time that we're in um so i'm not going completely on valuations even though clearly you have to think about this but i think you know zoom all of these different companies do something totally different so we can't paint them with one like broad brush, we just can't.
2: I'm trying to get my head around and move past, and I, I don't think that I want to. Um, valuations are out of whack across the board, is, is what you just no. said. Now, John and Jerry, and I need to hear from you. And that's um, not true. I, I, I need to hear from, from you, John. Sorry, sorry, Scott. Hang on, Steve. Uh, John, I mean, weigh <laughs> in, what do you... Oh, John's frozen. John, um, sure.
3: well, can I weigh in, Scott? Yeah, go ahead, well, Rob, because well, I see well, you shaking well, Scott, your head.
2: Well, Hang on. Tiff. Yeah, yeah. I'll come back to well, you. I promise you.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Because I just want to clarify, uh, wh- wh- too. All
2: right. Let's do this. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Tiff, why don't you clarify? Yeah, n- why don't you okay. clarify yeah. what you said? Yeah, and then so, we'll go we'll go the others.
4: Sure. Sure. Like for for months we've been having this conversation. How many times have you asked Scott about valuations and 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 have these stocks and these collectively, um we can call them stay-at-home stocks, we can call them high, you know, these these uh these tech stocks, are they um overvalued? We have this conversation at least once a week, right? And so this is not anything new. I'm I'm not saying anything um I'm not saying anything that is that is a crazy. No, but it's more but relevant now. It's not just.
2: It's more relevant it now is, than it has it been in the last many weeks. Than we've had this conversation, right, because of where rates are. Now it's a legitimate right. conversation.
4: It is. Scott, it's been a legitimate conversation. Okay.
2: Scott,
3: can I comment on this? Go ahead,
2: Steve. <laughs> hold on. So, so <laughs> hold on. Tiffany, you say that I,
3: agree, I agree with you. Yeah. I can. Tiffany, finish your thought, all
2: right? I'll call on you, and then you chime in. It's much much easier that way, especially in the new world of Zooming or whatever we're doing right here. Tiffany, finish your thought, and then I'll figure out where I'm going next, please. Thank you.
4: Yes. All I'm saying is that there are a few things at play here, and so Steve is talking about valuations, and and you just and you were just commenting on on my statement that valuations are kind of out of whack across the board. And what I really mean by that is this old way of looking at at evaluating companies, strictly using valuations. I've been saying this for months, that we really can't only look at valuations because of the time that we're in, right? And we're just in this completely different time. So I'm looking at, um, at, at tons of other things. And so yes, it is relevant, but when you look at it, when you look at companies just from a valuation perspective, and multiple people have said this, that with some of these companies, that the valuations are, are um, really out of whack. And in some cases they are. You know, but you just it's it's it's, it's a bigger conversation. So I'll, I'll, I'll let somebody else jump in. Well,
2: let me do this. Since we're talking about rates, we're talking about the impact on the market. Rob, Steve, I'll get back to you. I promise I want to bring in our headliner today because he manages two point seven trillion dollars as CIO of BlackRock's global fixed income and the head of global a- allocation. Uh, there he is right there. Uh, Rick Reeder. It's good to see you again. I, I know you've been listening um, to, to the to the back and forth. How are you thinking about the, the rise in rates and the impact that it's going to have on the stock market? You're not just the bond guy um, anymore, yeah, Rick. Yeah. maybe. you never were. You're you. You're the man. You're the man over <laughs> there. Right. The biggest asset yeah, yeah. manager in the world. Oh, yeah.
6: So so I'd say a couple of things. First of all, I, it's a good discussion. And listen, one of the things that's when you when you lift interest rates this fast, this quickly, this much of a move. It, it introduces uncertainty. There's the thing the markets can't stand, and that is uncertainty. And you've got, and, and by the way, I'm not sure the markets, when you listen to Chair Powell and say, gosh, we're going to keep going, the economic data suggests that we're going to have an explosive growth rate in 2021. We're going to hit, I think we're going to hit over a 7% growth rate. So the markets are anticipating these real rates, particularly real rates, have to shift higher from where they are today and you've seen the last three or four days a pretty big move in real rates up about twenty to twenty-five, uh, 25 basis points so it's a pretty big deal that being said Scott I think you've got to put some things in a perspective you know real rates are up twenty five percent markets tend to pivot off of real rates and when you think about up twenty five uh, up twenty five basis points we started from negative one percent the history of real rates is, uh, is on average, last 25 years, the average has been about 1.5% positive. And usually, when you get this sort of economic growth, you're talking about real rates that go to 3, 4, 5% positive. We may get to 0% real rates. So, you still have an extremely accommodative environment. People are going to get this little bit of uncertainty. The vol picks up in the markets and then you recalibrate. But I'm not that worried about, about equities. I, by the way, I also agree. There are some stocks, as Steve said, and Tiff agreed. There are some stocks that have gotten a bit ahead of themselves. And if you do the NPV analysis and if you've moved the discount rate, yes, they should recalibrate down a bit.
2: Let me ask you, how how can we not be concerned about where rates are going and rising inflation in the kind of potentially explosive economic environment that's so many are predicting. You can't have your cake and eat it, too. If you're going to do six, seven percent uh, GDP, how can you not have inflation with that? And investors need to be potentially positioned to deal with it.
6: So if you if you look at what Chair Powell said or what uh, what Vice share clarity said and which we completely agree with, inflation is moving. We are the dynamic of reflating. If you think about where we were last year, we were in a deflationary mode we were in negative inflation all you're doing is you're moving back to the two two and a half percent inflation rate that is punctuated by a normal economy if you take today you know where are we going on inflation listen my opinion is you're seeing some inventory rebuild you're seeing some capacity constraints in places like energy and some base effects because of where we were a year ago that are saying gosh inflation's moving higher but I think what the chair said and what the vice chair said, we're not that worried. If, you, you, if we talk again in the second quarter, you'll see that oh. some of this will start to come off and inflation is not going to move that much higher. Two in mid twos, totally get, but not that
2: much higher. OK, I mean, I, I know what they said. Uh, the question is, are they to be believed? You know, they're no, they, they they're they definitely not worried about inflation. Powell said as yes. much as you said, you know, the the, the couple days this week that that he was on the Hill. But I can tell you that investors are starting to worry about it. You know, Bill Ackman, he's quoted in the Telegraph in an interview that he gave where he says the following. I'll read his quote. We will see a spike in inflation as early as the middle of the year. It is already starting to happen. At some point, if rates move enough, then it becomes a market risk event. He is hedged against that happening. I don't know exactly how he is hedged. There are a few different ways you can do it, maybe through options, maybe through tips. I don't know. He said that he had bought, quote, instruments that pay off in a large way in the event of a surprising move in rates. So that is from an interview that he gave. Um, Should we all be thinking about that?
6: So I think having some exposure, as we do, having some exposure to inflation-related products like tips makes some sense. That being said, when you actually deconstruct inflation and think about okay, where are we going to get the inflation from? And you think about what's happening structurally from whether it's technology influences or where policy is going, you think about what's driven what's driven inflation over time. It's been education, it's been healthcare, and it's been you know look at shelter. Do I think you're getting some inflation in housing? Absolutely. There's not enough inventory of housing on the market today. But if you go back and think about okay, energy, gosh, we could have some inflation. Energy, if you go back a couple of decades ago, inf- energy certainly created inflation. You, and and under, another shows you talk about the transition we're seeing to EV. Listen, we have a capacity, near-term capacity issue that's going to send that's sending crude prices higher. But if you break down what's happening to energy. What's happening to transportation broadly? What's happening to healthcare broadly? What's going to happen to education broadly? And you break down all the big, big components of inflation, you don't have that underlying construct like you had in the in the in certainly uh, two decades or three decades or four decades ago. So yes, a bit more inflation. I don't mean to say we're deflating or inflation doesn't can't move a bit higher. But gosh, no, I'm not really that worried about it in terms of excessive inflation. It's just. You don't have the underlying uh, construct to get there.
2: OK, um, so Rob Seachin, what do you what do you look? You advise you advise, you know, clients, you, you advise wealthy clients on how to be best positioned. You have how Ackman is now positioning himself because of a fear of, of rates getting a little away from us, perhaps in the in the second half of the year. Is that the best strategy right now?
3: You know I I just I have to agree with Rick and he knows I've agreed with him quite a bit over the years He's one of the best ever do it. Um, So when I think about the way we're positioned and we're not thinking about and we're not thinking about inflation I mean it's an outside as outside risk. But when you think about the powerful deflationary forces of technology that still exist in productivity. I'm a little less worried about inflation and I also think that the feds of the mindset that we could tolerate. A little inflation again when you have companies that are growing so rapidly. And you raise the discount rate twenty five basis points fifty basis points. It's it's almost meaningless in the in, in the valuation yes I understand what everybody's talking about when I think about pockets of excess and what Steve talked about, sure there are. You have companies that are trading at 370 times earnings. That's a concern, right? There has to be some level of margin of safety. But when you look at some of this big tech, uh, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google, those are more reasonably priced given their their growth trajectories. and then you add to it in a low rate environment, still generally low rate environment. You add some of these cyclicals, which appear to be high based on history, Mm -hmm. but they're not priced high based on this interest rate regime. And so, uh, you know, how we're positioned is we're less worried about rates getting away from us.
2: All right. So Rick Reeder, do do I need to move away from technology? Is is that the biggest risk space in the market if rates continue to go up?
6: Uh, So I would say no way. I would say the, uh, there are parts of technology, and you know we've rotated. I think others have rotated where you own technology. Listen, the semiconductor space, AI, cloud-oriented data assimilation. Boy, there is. I mean, we just I literally just got off a call going through another extraordinarily uh, newly developing technology that is going to change how commerce works in another way. So, no, I'm not I'm not worried about it. By the way, you take companies that are growing, that have got 20 percent growth rates and say, gosh, I'm going to rotate and stuff that's not growing, but it's underperformed thus far. Uh, You know, it's a long term. As Tiffany says, a long term investor, you know, good luck with that. I, I I love technology. That being said, we have also kicked out some of these names that when you look at a portfolio say my gosh what has happened you know we should we should uh, be prudent around some of these multiples on so, uh, you know when you trade at 10 times revenue or or higher than that well, it's pretty hard to work your way into that multiple even if you have a 5 year runway so
2: so let me ask you this and and perhaps then it's it's way more nuanced than just suggesting that technology as a whole is is going to have a problem but can The Nasdaq and these other technology stocks that are not egregiously overvalued withstand a rush to the exits from the ones that are. Uh, So, I mean, I
6: I think so. I mean, I think you think you talk about what we do in our portfolio and a lot of big investors do in their portfolios. Gosh, you know, you try and take out the places that have become what I would say fluff is in your portfolio in terms of where they stand from multiple point of view. And yes, you definitely can withstand it. And by the way, you know, I think a lot of places have talked about this. We've done I think you've talked about it last time I show where I said you guys do some great diligence. We've built a lot of cash in our portfolios. We've we've eliminated all the interest rate products that the intense interest rate products, treasuries, agency mortgages, some of the investment grade credit, build some cash and take advantage of when the market goes through these uh, these these points of turbulence to get back into. Have you been some doing that? Things. So, yes, I unequivocally. Have you been doing uh, that? Because, so yeah, we had added, that
2: conversation. I think. Well, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it was three, four weeks ago. Yes, we had that very conversation, how yeah. your cash level ha- had gone up. And yeah. I think you said I'm trying to remember correctly. I think you said you had taken some profits in the fangs. Uh, correct. We have added back
6: some in the uh, which has been unfulfilling year 4 We've added back a little bit. We've definitely added, including yesterday, some in the semi space. Um, but I would say net net, the bigger ads we've made, and uh, I think uh, I think Steve said this or maybe Rob said this. You know, we've added to financials, we've added. You know, we like the cyclicals and we like the consumer space quite a bit, but the ads have been bigger,
2: bigger mm. there than uh, than in pure technology. Interesting. Let me get white. I, I just can I can I say yeah, go, can ahead, Rick. Back this go, one go ahead point. Rick then Steve. I want yeah. you to get in.
6: There's this knee jerk reaction that people have when they say rates go up and real rates go up, and I think if if you know if people take time and think about where things like technology are and you think about where they were and where real rates were you know markets like to focus on rate of change and uh i think people are misinterpreting how much this moved this is a big move that happened so quickly but boy oh boy real rates are still negative there's only been one time in 21 years that they've been (laughs) negative i think it was it was in 2012-13 for a brief period of time these are pretty we're still in pretty incredible times so Anyway, part of why I think perspective makes makes a
2: difference. Absolutely. Um, and that's why it's so valuable to, to get yours at a time like this. As I tweeted oh, out, well, I can't imagine a better time than, than having you on right now, well, given that's... what we're all talking about, Steve.
5: Yeah, so just a couple things. Um, I'll, I'll just reiterate the Zooms, the teledocs are going to be problems going forward for every reason that Rick said, what Rob said and what I said. And it's a good thing we've been talking about it. For a while because zoom's gone from 600 to almost 300 so people should have listened they should continue to listen but go back to what rick said you're getting great opportunity volatility creates opportunity so why would i own a zoom not to keep going on that one when i could own pick one corvo skyworks Qualcomm that are all selling at 18 times forward earnings, number one, and Corvo's earnings are growing 250 percent. Skyworks 80 percent. Great balance sheets. So that's where I want to be. I also have started to move into more of the industrial economy. And as I mentioned the other day, you know, I bought one company. uh, I'm buying another one, which is Mueller Water or Mueller Industries, MLI, used to be Water, cheap stock, They grew earnings tremendously, 30% last year, held back by the pandemic, and grew top line close to 25%. I bought LPX, which is housing, which is selling at about 10, 11 times earnings. Consumer-driven, because whether you have new housing builds or whether you have home sales continuing to explode, you'll still have people spending on the economy. So, look, so I think you'll see inflation from places we haven't seen it, which will be in technology, which will be in semis, as we're going to see the semi slowdown, not in terms of demand, but in terms of production is going to raise prices. That's a good thing. So, look, so I'm still there. I do think that inflation, I'm a little more aggressive on inflation than Rick is, but it doesn't matter because real rates are going to support the quality names, that'll grow. But you've got to diversify your portfolio. And I also add to B of A and Goldman in addition to buying the XLF. All right,
2: Rick, I'll give you the last word. Leave our viewers with the last word from Reader. Something to think about over the days ahead. (laughs)
6: No, I mean, I think balance in a portfolio. Listen, I mean, one thing you can't be uh, I've learned 35 years of doing this. You can't be arrogant about, gosh, I have my view, but my view is the right view. And I think having some balance in the portfolio, thinking about, you know, gosh, do you manage your technology? Because, listen, I think I have a view on inflation, I think, but I, I do see it accelerating in some places, as Steve said. So, you know, create some balance. But. Boy, when you get markets like this where you get opportunities to do some things, by the way, some of the mid-caps where people haven't focused on it, there's some really interesting stuff to do. I, I, honestly, I think it's one of the most exciting times to invest in the markets.
2: Uh, but it's a different regime than we were yeah. six months ago, yeah. for sure. Well, one of the most exciting times to cover it. So uh, we're on the same page. I look forward to having yes, another conversation with you soon. Rick, be well. Thank you, sir. Appreciate uh, having yep. me. Yep, that's uh, Rick Reeder blackrock joining us up next our investment committee making a lot more moves too plus shares of domino's pizza sliding on its earnings miss we've got the ceo exclusively to talk about those results how he plans to drive growth from here if you're in the stock or if you're thinking about getting in let's listen to rich ellison next we're back in two minutes
8: Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash report. That is linkedin.com slash report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash report and get started.
0: Welcome back. I'm Rahel Solomon, and here's your CNBC News update at this hour. There are now more than 2.5 million confirmed deaths from COVID-19 though the actual number is likely far higher. About 20% of reported deaths have been in the U.S. A permanent ban on fracking has been passed by a regulatory agency responsible for the water supply of more than 13 million people in four states. The Delaware River Basin Commission imposed a moratorium on gas development more than a decade ago, citing concerns of water pollution. A former U.S. Olympics gymnastics coach has now been charged with more than two dozen crimes, including sexual assault and human trafficking, John Gettard has ties to disgraced sports doctor Larry Nasser. And the Kentucky Derby is still on track to be held on May 1st, but with 40 to 50 percent capacity. Parent company Churchill Downs says that it's still considering general admissions tickets, which would include the infield. Back to you, Scott.
2: All right, hell, thank you. All right, let's talk about some of the other moves we have going on. Tiffany, come to you first. You bought more Farfetch. They report earnings today after the bell. Yes. Tell me why you bought more of that.
4: Yeah, so you know i i I really love the e-commerce play um farfetch's platform is one of the largest among the luxury luxury um online uh peers and it really drives the highest um, consumer engagement, but it only has about 2.9 um, million users, so there's a ton of room to grow. And there's this ongoing disruption of retail um, with with e-commerce, um, and then it really, um, you know, it's 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 app downloads. Um, in in 2020, we're about 2.5 times that of the second largest luxury uh, uh, online retailer, which is uh, Neta Porter. And so we're looking to for, for good news. Uh, when, when they report and just kind of continue that momentum. So I've owned it for a long time, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I bought a little bit more.
2: Okay, Steve Weiss, uh, UAL, you bought some United Airlines.
5: I did, I did. I'm waiting for a pullback to buy more, so it's small now, but I'd love to own more. Look, regardless of what I think on the airlines uh, in terms of their being over-levered at this point, even relative to a history of being over-levered, Uh, I think that the COVID vaccine is going to drive a return to flying a lot quicker than the three-year estimates, which people are using to compare it to 9-11. So that's where the momentum is going to be. I'm looking for more consumer exposure. There's so much pent up demand for consumers to travel, to do everything, and the vaccine is just... A game changer, as we've said. So that's why I bought UAL. As I said, I'd like to buy some more. It's down the most off its highs yeah. over the last year, by the way. What, so it's got that upside.
2: What about LPX, Louisiana Pacific?
5: Yeah. So I've been looking at it for a while and hoping for pullback, and we haven't had one. I was hoping that as rates moved up that you'd get some pressure on the housing market or housing-like stakes, uh, uh, stocks, and it has to happen. So I just went in. So LPX... You know, they're, they're not a paper company, they were years ago. So they make a lot of what you're putting into your home when you're rehabbing it, uh, when you're doing construction. And look, at 10 times earnings, I think it's a very, very cheap stock, just over 10 times. So, and that's part of why MLI. The other thing I like about these, as Rick mentioned, I like the under-the-radar names. And that's true of Adcor, which is another sickle stock that's doing extremely well. They haven't missed a quarter in I don't know how long, So as I as I balance the portfolio and put some of that cash to work, although not much at all, I'm still sitting in 30 percent. That's where I'm going.
2: All right. Talk about shares of Domino's pizza slam today on its earnings. Miss our Kate Rogers joining us now with the CEO of that company. It's a halftime exclusive interview. Kate, take it away.
0: Scott, thanks so much. And Rich Allison, thank you for joining me today. Let's get right to it. Uh, Shares are lower on this earnings miss. But overall, a pretty strong year for Domino's in terms of same-store sales this quarter and for full year. You also released some upbeat guidance for the next two to three years. We're moving into a new normal here. So what gives you so much confidence about the brand moving ahead?
9: Well, hi, Kate. It's good to be with you. we feel really good about uh, the quarter uh, and the year. You know, if you look at uh, at Q4, you know U.S. same-store sales were up north of 11%, and in our international business, up north of 7%. And we put a lot of stores on the map as well. 388 net new stores in the quarter. So we leave 2020 with a lot of momentum uh, going into 2021. The healthiest our system has ever been in terms of unit level profitability and a strong base of franchisees that are ready to invest and to continue growing their businesses. So I've got a lot of optimism, Kate, as I look forward into this year.
0: Rich, Scott and the gang were just talking about inflation. I know you mentioned on the earnings call this morning being obsessed with franchisee profitability and that being really important to you and to the brand as a whole. Are you concerned about inflation at all and rising costs?
9: Well, certainly, I mean, it's always a factor in our, in our business. You know, if we look over the last half a decade or so, you know, it has been consistent, uh, you know, increasing uh, labor costs and fixed costs at the store level, fairly moderate on the commodity side, as we look over, you know, the last couple of years. But, you know, we're always focused on how can we continue to do two things, you know, to combat that. First and foremost is driving the top line. And, you know, we have to continue uh, to grow uh, order counts and sales in our business, obviously to continue driving profitability. But then also we're doing a lot of work, particularly around technology inside our stores, to make the running of our stores easier and for us to be able to do it you know over time uh, at, a, at a higher level uh, of efficiency. So we'll continue to attack you know both of those parts of the equation as we help our franchisees and our own corporate stores, to continue to grow uh, profitability at the four wall level.
0: The company also mentioned focusing on carryout, which is not something that we typically hear as a key focus area, because all the chatter in the industry is about delivery. We know you guys have a very strong delivery presence. You handle all on your own. Why is carryout going to be key moving ahead?
9: Well, for us, you know, we've been focused on it for a while. And if you look, you know, right at the start of the pandemic, we were doing about 45 percent of our transactions in our U.S. stores were carry out. Now, during COVID, uh, you know, we got a tailwind on the delivery business, but a headwind on the carry out business is folks just weren't as as comfortable, you know, going out and, and, and going into restaurants to pick up their food. But if you look at the market overall, you know there's about two and a half times as many carryout transactions in the QSR pizza industry as there are delivery transactions. So we continue to see that as a huge opportunity for us in our business. We're underpenetrated from a market share standpoint in carry out relative to delivery. So as the economy starts to open back up again, and as we, we get vaccinated and back out there and into the world, we see a huge opportunity to grow that carry out business in 2021 and beyond.
0: Great, Rich Allison, the Domino CEO. We look forward to seeing what you do uh, in 2021 and beyond. Thanks for joining us today. And, Scott, we've got even more pizza up next hour on the exchange. Uh, CEO of Papa John's, Rob Lynch, will also join us for a CNBC exclusive. So look forward to that. Back over to you.
2: All right. Good stuff. Thanks so much for that. Uh, Let me take you to the wall and show you where stocks are. We are at the lows of the day right now. In fact, it's the worst day for the majors in the month of February. You're looking at about three-week lows for the S&P and the NASDAQ. We are able to show – the uh, ARKK, you know, there's been a lot of focus on ARC, obviously, uh, and Kathy Woods funds, which have really taken a beating as technology stocks and a lot of the high-flying ones have reversed. There's the uh, the ARKK. That's sort of the the chief, the signature. Uh, flagship is the word i'm trying to think of the flagship fund over there is down about five and a half a little more than five and a half percent today uh, there's the complex for arc we're going to continue to keep our eyes on that what the implications are for your portfolios which matter most and certainly for the major averages at large we're back right
0: after this what does it mean to be rich is it having more stories to share or time to give is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away. At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash find your rich. Edward Jones, member SIPC.
2: All right, we are back. Uh, John and Jerry, and you are on the screen right now. We got your shot back. I'm happy to have you back. I hope it stays. GameStop. Delighted to be here, Scott. (laughs) We're delighted to have you. Yeah. GameStop, okay? Thank you, Scott. Here we go again. GameStop. Here um, we go again.
1: What are you seeing in the options market to
2: give us an idea about what's happening? (laughs) Are you in there? What's the story?
1: Yeah, as you might imagine, Scott, I'm drawn to this like a moth to flame. This is volatility on steroids. And, you know, at the end of last week, that's regular February expiration. Three stocks really stood out to us, both uh, because of the surge in Reddit posts, as well as surge in option buying. And those were GameStop, uh, AMC and uh, BlackBerry, BB. So when we saw that, it built into the end of last week, Scott, and then it faded off. And that's probably because uh, GameStop was uh, bouncing a little bit on Monday. Um, And on Tuesday, it dropped to about 55,000 contracts on the call side. That's pretty low. Yesterday, Scott, it pops up to 270,000 calls. So, in other words, five-fold jump in volume yesterday. Similar jumps in AMC that went over a million call contracts from a low of about uh, um, 155000 last Friday, and then BlackBerry also. And all three of them saw outsized moves. Um, in the case of GameStop in particular, I, I sent Prashant and the team some of the pictures, Scott, but it was just amazing. Today, they were buying 200 calls, and they traded as high as $46 for a 200 call, um, on down to about $12 just before we came on air. So there's a lot of fluff and a lot of, you know, I, I, I'm not trying to denigrate them, but a lot of amateur trading chasing those up so high with just one trading day to go because, obviously, these options expire tomorrow. The Februarys expire tomorrow at the 200 strike. Just crazy. But, uh, you know, that's kind of what goes on. You get a big herd move in there. If they catch it right, Scott, they can make a lot of money. Yeah. And if they don't move quick uh you know they have less and less time to get out
2: all right so if i mean that could be enough for unusual activity but it's not you have one mm-hmm. for us at least one
1: i have two if you'd like real quick yep, i'll please. give you a silver slv the etf um, they're buying june 30th expiration 27.50 calls that's with uh the slv etf trading about 26.50 and secondly scott Take a look over at NSC, Norfolk Southern, April 260 calls with that uh, particular stock trading almost exactly 258. I'm in both of these, and I'll probably be in the first one for about six weeks, the other one about four weeks.
2: All right. Good stuff, Doc. Thank you so much. Up next, Akbar Bajabiamila is with us He's talk about the importance of financial education for the black community. We're back right after this.
7: There are too many people in my community that the highest level of investment that they know of are CDs. The knowledge isn't there. Sometimes I wish I could just be the black financial Superman and just go to everyone's house and say, hey, here are the resources. But the resources aren't available to a lot of people in my community because you have to make a certain amount of money and we've got to tear down that wall. I want everybody to get in. I want everybody to win.
2: All right. That was American Ninja host, American Ninja Warrior host Akbar Miller on the importance of financial education in the black community. In celebration of Black History Month, we asked some of our CNBC contributors to share the money lessons they've learned growing up, how they are working to close the racial wealth gap and their advice to empower the next generation of black Americans. Akbar joins us once again. It's good to see you. Welcome back. Uh, Good to see you again uh, as well. Thank you so much for having me. Powerful words. uh, You speak in that spot that we we ran there. How do we get everybody to win? The word you use there. How do we do that?
7: Yeah, I, I think it's just really coming down to education. I think now more so than ever, because there's a lot of conversation going on, I think people are starting to realize that there's more information out there. And so I think the biggest way to win is to educate yourself, because I think we know that investing is the most effective way to build your wealth. And when you look at the racial, uh, race, uh, racial gap with the wealth gap, excuse me, you can see that there's a huge gap in between. And so um, I, I think once you start getting yourself involved, especially in the black community, getting involved in the investment race, I think it's going
2: to close that gap tremendously. I'm looking at the broader comments that you've made on this topic, too. You say there's a lack of trust. That's a huge issue.
7: Yeah, the the lack of trust is there for sure. I mean, no matter where you're looking, I I think back to my second year in the NFL, and I'm feeling proud of my first first Years later, you know, I'm involved in a class action lawsuit to say that you know, that my white counterpart with the same exact measurements, you know, uh, 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 credit score, uh, income, all of that, that they were getting less points on their loan docs than I was. And I was like, whoa. And again, I didn't know that, I didn't have that education, but that then fractures the trust in the, with the community. And so, um, you know, I, I think to that, and I see now that there being there's a lot more transparency. When you look at some of the bigger um, institutions and saying, this is what we want to do for the black community. And I think of like a company like Acorns. And I think what they're doing, taking a lot of that crap. And I'm going to say crap, all the big talk, because it's crap until you understand it. Uh And then really just kind of bringing it down and really bringing it to my community and saying, here you go. Let's build not only the
2: investments, but also let's build the education. I think that's where the power comes. You, you just alluded to it as well. Um, we're really essentially talking about ways of building wealth. And the, right. the sad reality is, and you you talk about this, too, is that pretty much you've had to have money to make money. You need to start at the yeah. ground floor in communities being able to build wealth. Well, yeah, you you need there's got to be some level of entry, right?
7: Like, And not everybody's going to be able to enter at the same at the same point. But I think if you have, you know, you know, again, uh, resources like Acorns that allows you to come in at a very low entry and then build your way up. I think then you have the ability to play in the game. I think of it just like sports, right? You're not just going to walk right into the starting lineup you have to kind of build your way, but you remember high school sports back in the day, they used to have the C level sports. Then they had the B level, then they had the junior varsity and you worked your way up to varsity. And I think that's the type of structure that needs to be just to be implemented, especially in the financial institution where they say, Hey, look, if you're not on the varsity squad, there's nothing else below it. And that's kind of like, I mean, even if you look at professional sports, right underneath professional sports is what college sports. And underneath that, it's high school sports and underneath that is pop water. So there are levels to it. And so that's what needs to be, that's what needs to happen is just creating levels, levels of entry to allow people to participate. I can't tell you how many of my friends and close family members are like, hey, I, I, I've got a little bit of money that I wanna invest, but it's not enough. No one's gonna talk to me under 2,500 or I need, you know, I need to have big money. You know, I can't tell you how many invest uh, investment advisors I've tried to connect with some of my friends and they go, oh, I'm sorry, I only deal with people have a million and more like that's 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 jargon you know and that's why i called it
2: crap yeah no i hear you um and and hopefully it's 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 on the road to changing akbar we appreciate it as always all you're doing we'll talk to you soon thank you so much appreciate you having me yep for more uh, on invest in you go to cnbc.com forward slash invest in you that's cnbc.com forward slash invest in you one last thing we should note that nbc universal and comcast ventures are investors in acorns we are at the lows of the day nasdaq Man, the NASDAQ is now down more than 400, as is the Dow. Interest rates are creeping back up again, too. The 10 year is nearing 149 again. Who knows? We may get to 150 before this day is out. We're back after this. We'll talk to the futures traders, too, on what they see. Welcome back. Let's do the futures outlook now. The 10 year hitting its highest level in more than a year. There's Bill Baruch, Blue Line Futures. What do you think? How high are we going to go? Thanks a lot for having me on. I you know, I've been mapping this out with you going back to October when the tenure was at 60 basis points and the futures were trading just under 139. This is our target, 134 and a half. So, I'm excited to see it down here. Inflation tailwinds are already there. We've already seen it, uh, we're, we're seeing the fiscal spending coming on board. So, really from here, I I'm I'm out and and ultimately, we've seen volatility double in the last 2 weeks and these so the trade I like doing is, is I'm actually selling 30-year bond put spreads, looking for this thing to consolidate back up. Now I'm looking at the the 158.5, 157 put spread, selling that, working in order to sell for 700 bucks or 45 ticks. My risk is 800 to collect 700. So consolidate back up. I think the worst is here as this March contract rolls off. Well, that's, I said we may get to 150 uh, by the end of the day. We might get to 150 by the end of the show. The way Absolutely. we're going now, because we're moving in that direction. We're up nearly eight percent on yields today. Bill, thank you. Talk to you again soon. Bill Baruch, final trades coming up next. All right, welcome back. Worst day of the month right now for stocks. There's the major averages: Dow's down one and a half percent, Nasdaq's down more than three and a quarter percent. You look at it, almost five hundred points for the Dow. Uh, you're more than four hundred for the Nasdaq as well. Ten-year is up, nearing one five zero. Has not been at one fifty since February twenty-first a year ago. In 2020. All right, we got 20 seconds, so we just need tickers. Tiffany, you first, then Steve, John, and Rob.
4: Melly. Cash.
5: XLE.
2: XLF, financials. All right, guys, good to see everybody. Thanks so much for watching The Exchanges Now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC.
8: The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.